Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is Today's Youth and the Church. Growing up in Southwest Iowa as a little child, I loved how dedicated and busy my family was in church land. The life of the church meant everything to us, and I remember many days where we'd arrive early to set up chairs and leave late as we'd clean up bathrooms and pick up hymnals. My daddy diligently served as a fill-in for pastors when they were on vacation. He taught Wednesday night Bible studies while my mom helped with women's ministry events, vacation Bible school, and anything remotely related to food. As a young child of 12, I began to practice every hymn in the hymnal and lead the congregation with music. Church life was everything. I always felt excitement when one time a month, several of the Baptist pastors from the surrounding communities would get the youth groups together for a youth rally. We'd study God's word, worship, eat, fellowship, and it made us realize that there were other Christ followers in other towns, not just in our own little church. Kids were respectful back then. If you were 16 and had a car, you had worked at the gas station or the grocery store and saved up your money to get some old beater. If you wanted fun things to do, you'd go to the football game, see a movie, or grab a bite to eat at the A&W. Typical teenage problems at that time were kids drinking and driving. Teenage pregnancy was rare, but it did happen. Skipping school was always something kids did, and at times the occasional teepeeing of the neighborhood trees. At times, we'd learn about a family who was struggling and their kids couldn't afford school lunches. Someone quietly stepped in and took care of that. Sure, there was the normal backbiting and gossiping, bullying and teasing, but for the most part, problems seemed pretty simple back then. As I grew up and watched my own children head into teen and adult life, the tide shifted. Cell phones emerged, the internet emerged, video games emerged, and life changed forever. In my opinion, the world began to morph in the last five years, not just for parents and grandparents, but especially for the youth and young adults of today. Now, you might be saying, Kathy, what are you thinking? Five years, come on, it's been changing in the last 20. No, I've really specifically seen a huge change and morph in the last five. No longer do you sit next to your friends at the A&W, because that would be too corny, wouldn't it? Instead, you text your friend, you Skype with them, or you just Snapchat. You're not spending time face-to-face. You're certainly not looking them in the face because you're busy looking at your iPhone. Everything in life is documented, all the way from a big pregnant belly to what you're eating for supper. And you can find it all on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. Bullying is the norm. Sex is the norm. When I was a teen, TV shows were simplistic. The Muppets, Mary Tyler Moore, Carol Burnett, Bob Newhart, and The Love Boat were on the list of a Saturday night evening event. Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley were Tuesday nights. Police shows consisted of Rockford Files, Columbo, and Chips. The most danger we saw was a crook getting chased and gunshots missing the culprit. Today you can turn on any station and see the most gruesome murders, 
the most horrific kidnapping scenes, vulgar language, lewd and perverse actions, and sickening plots that are demoralizing society as a whole. This is what our children and grandchildren are faced with each day. Life has changed. Life has morphed. And what are we doing about it? How are we helping this situation? How are we protecting our families? And what does God say about it in His Word? Well, joining me in the studio today to talk about these things in society and how we can help our families is Executive Minister for Church Relations at Bethel University, Pastor Ralph Gustafson. Pastor Ralph, the world has certainly changed from when you and I were in college, and now we both have children and grandchildren who are facing a more challenging world. I've recently heard that a large number of young adults today are raised in Christian homes but don't consider themselves Christians. What do you think is causing the shift from when you and I were growing up? Well, Kathy, I think some of that has to do with kind of the label Christian. I think uh, obviously that that title, that name, that label has been used in so many different contexts and in different ways that I think some of the young adults who are perhaps not embracing that are are trying to say, I, I'm I'm a follower of Christ. I you know that Christian has certain connotations to it, and sometimes, frankly, some some baggage to it. Uh, oftentimes, I think a lot of the younger generation views it as perhaps Christians are judgmental and certain other negative things. I'm sad about that because I think, obviously, that title Christian, that name identification is something that uh, comes from back in Antioch. So I think, I think it's, it's too bad that some feel that way. I think, I think for some, uh, whether they are Christians or not, grew up in a Christian home, there's just this uh, feeling that that's what mom and dad embrace, that's what they believe, but I'm I'm not so sure that's what I believe, and I know here at Bethel we're trying to help students come to the understanding of what is their faith, what do they believe, and why do they believe it, and, and how can they live it out. That's, that's probably the key thing. I think a lot, of, a lot of millennials, a lot of young adults want to take the message of Jesus Christ seriously, and when they see it being perhaps more of something talked about than lived out, they, uh, they sort of rebel against that, or they, they're trying to, to change the curve on that. Sure, of course. And one of the things that we know as a Christ follower is that, you know, Scripture encourages us to not forsake the gathering together, to, to meet, you know, at, at church, to have a place where you belong, and that's so encouraging. But where we live, Pastor Ralph, out here in the middle of nowhere, southwestern Minnesota, many of our smaller churches are closing their doors. A lot of them are joining uh, with other churches, and some are just kind of, you know, disintegrating, and people are having to find a place to integrate. Um, What do you think is contributing to this lack of attendance in today's society with our local churches? Wow, that's a huge question. Yeah, and uh, I was just talking to a pastor uh, just this last week who said uh, probably one of the greatest supporters in the church financially and speaking positively about the church is someone who feels that he is a, a, a normal attender by coming once or twice a month. And, uh, 
it just it just kind of it, the pastor I was speaking to he says it's it's hard for me Ralph to wrap my mind around that because this is a godly man very supportive and and involved but coming twice a month for him is is really about as good as he thinks it's going to get I, I think there is a sense that uh, people between things that are online and other things that are going on, the the feeling of the need or the desire to to come together corporately as the body has has not been has been not been nurtured in a way that I think would help everyone really em- embrace the importance of being regularly, weekly, if not more, involved in the church, being actively a part of that congregation. So. Um, for some, it's just the multiple activities of the week uh, being so busy, such a hectic life that come Sunday, I just need my my space. I need to sit back and and breathe a little bit. Um, so I, I think there's a mixture of things. I think it has to do with a lack of understanding about the importance of uh, corporate worship, corporate fellowship, and and being together with the body. I think it has to do sometimes with the hectic pace of life that people feel overwhelmed so by the time sunday morning comes or if it's a saturday night they're they're ready to just relax and and be together without having to necessarily make the effort to get to a church service sure so and i think the other thing that's an element at least out here is that so many of our older people are really plugged into church because that's how they were raised. But unfortunately, their kids and their grandkids have moved from rural community to the cities to get bigger jobs, to go away to college. And so then you're left with just those older people and, you know, they pass away and then you've got a really low amount of people going to the church. So, Pastor Ralph, your love for God and for the body of Christ as a whole is one of the things that I so admire about you. And as you think about churches today, many of churches are trying to shift what they're doing to attract the younger generation. Since you work at a college and have the pulse on today's youth, what do you think today's youth is seeking by, you know, attending church? I mean, what could they do, and how can the church help? Well, let me just give a quick recommendation for those who may be listening for a book that I think really addresses this question very well. It's called Growing Young, and it's six essential strategies for helping young people discover and love your church. And uh, actually, one of our alumnas from out in San Diego at our seminary is one of the authors of it. And, and I think it's really right on target when it talks about, first of all, if we want to grow young, we need to find ways to turn over leadership to the young people in our church. They shouldn't have to wait 30 years to be able to be a part of leadership opportunities, giving them the authority and opportunity to be responsible for things that are going on in the church. Uh, I think also they talk in the book about how we need to be engaged in our communities. And most young people here at Bethel and uh, in our churches, they want to see that the church is out of the salt shaker, as Becky Pippert used to talk about, and really engaged in the community, that they're finding ways to use their gifts, their skills and abilities to change the world for Jesus Christ. And uh, it's not just that they get engaged in teaching Sunday school or working in the nursery or 
or singing in the choir, those are great things and important, but if churches are going to grow young and attract young people, they need to find ways in which they're being used by God to shape the communities and help meet the needs of communities. Uh, A lot of the students here talk a lot about justice and mercy and caring for those that are poor and in poverty, and for them, those are matters of living out the message of Jesus, and so uh, it's got to go beyond just serving in the context of the church, but the church being out in the community and serving, uh, being the hands and the feet and the and the the heart of Christ to the people that are that are around them. So I think, you know, that's a that's a really critical thing. Oh, I think you're, I think you're so right, and I and I like that whole idea of getting the youth involved in church. Um, you know, putting them into positions and places where they don't have to wait until they're 70 or 55, you know, to serve. Because I think that when you are a part of something and serving, that really makes you take it so much more seriously. Plus, that brings in that fresh vision, you know, the vision of today. I mean, if I look at myself and I look at my kids who are, you know, 27, they've got a different idea of how things are going. You know, they have, they have a pulse. They have a, they understand what their, you know, colleagues and kids their age are talking about. And, and it's great to have those fresh um, perspectives and ideas. Today's society keys in on the aspect that we must be tolerant. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute because it's really tough. Um, so I just want to hear what you think about it. We need to be tolerant to anyone and everyone, no matter if they're going against God's word or not. And this has perpetrated the continued belief that there is no right or wrong, um, just, you know, there's not a black or a white, it's a gray. Um, and many churches are following that. They're watering down God's word. Um, the, the big key word is tolerance. And I'm just wondering, what, what do you think and how is Bethel uh, dealing with that today? Well, I think, I think this whole matter of tolerance um, needs to be looked at as, as to what they're saying, because so often those that are crying out for tolerance are the same people that are intolerant of people who are seeking to live by biblical truths and principles and seeking to proclaim the gospel as Christ has, has taught us. I, I, think, I think for me, with what we're trying to teach students, is how to be people of grace and mercy and gentleness. I think you can take a stand for what Scripture teaches, but you can you can do it with a demonstration of grace and a demonstration of gentleness in how you go about taking that stand that will far better communicate the kind of message that Christ wants us to communicate than being someone who's kind of pounding on the pulpit and, you know, waving their Bible in somebody's face. Uh, trying to say this is this is wrong. So sometimes it's it's how do we approach these matters? How do we? How, what's the spirit that we come at them with? Are we are we trying to force them into seeing things from our perspective, or are we trying to persuade them by our our grace and our mercy and our gentle spirit to see the reality of the truth? And uh, yes, there are times like Christ tossing the money changers out of the temple for uh, for us to take a, a more vocal, perhaps a, a stronger stand on things. But I think so often we're going to be able to be greater influence for Christ when we demonstrate a spirit of gentleness and grace, and yes, holding forth the truth, 
but with grace and gentleness in a way that people just have to take notice of because it's just unlike our culture. I think we've got some presidential candidates right now who could use a little more grace and gentleness in their whole demeanor and, and how they're going about it. And, and that seems to be kind of the direction that, that so much of our culture is going. So as, as followers of Christ, if we show a different perspective on that, I think people will take notice. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, and we're talking with my friend, Pastor Ralph Gustafson from Bethel University. When we come back, Pastor Ralph and I are going to wrap up with some helpful tips on encouraging our children, grandchildren, neighbors, and friends in today's tough world. But first, let's listen to this encouraging song by the Never Claim called One Truth, One Life. Confession rise up to the one, the only one who has come to save us. The only son, the only son. Many say there's others, but there is no one like him. No. His love lights the way, his truth will break down every lie. His children proclaim his name.
And my last question, just a just a thought from you being a pastor for so many, many years and, and leading, you know, at Bethel University, and I know you're a great, godly, wise counsel. Um, I tend to see over and over as I'm looking at society such, um, I think the scripture calls it antichristo, a, a very antichrist type of attitude. You know, it's coming from so many things that are, are withdrawn of God in our nation right now, you know, not... Um, not wanting to talk about God, removing him from school, um, you know, things like that. It's really tough. So how would you encourage today's youth, um, today's moms and dads, um, anybody, grandmas and grandpas, how would you encourage them to keep God right in the center, even though around us society seems to be continuing to remove God? Well, I I think the key for me, and I think it is probably a key for all of us, is to be in relationship with other believers in such an intimate way that we experience the love, the grace, the mercy of Christ through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I, I think the mindset that we're kind of Lone Ranger believers, that we're out there living out our faith all alone, is contrary to what Scripture teaches. If you read Paul's writing to the churches that he planted, and if you read the words of Christ, we're we're to live out this faith in community and in, in deep fellowship, yes, with, with Christ and through the Holy Spirit, but with one another, because I think we help shape one another, we help encourage, we lift each other up. And so for us to, to really follow Christ, we need to do so in community. We need to do it in relationship within our families, if we've got the kind of loving, supportive Christ-centered family that God would want us all to have. But if we don't have that there, then we need to find that within our church community, our church family, and we need to be in relationship with one another, supporting, encouraging, lifting each other up, being engaged in all acts of worship, which includes prayer and service, and and uh, even just the act of listening to one another with uh, the ears that Christ would have us to listen is, I think, for me, critical in terms of having this experience of, of walking with Christ in the midst of a culture that has become more and more antagonistic to our Christian faith and, and beliefs. I think that's fabulous advice. And listeners, if you have any thoughts about that, feel free to give us an email over at kathy at bestlifeministries.com. And mostly I want to thank Pastor Ralph, um, who I know is very busy and is serving diligently right there at Bethel University. You can always check that out. And Pastor Ralph is at betheluniversity.com. Or where can they look up some information about you and the college? Well, it's it's bethel.edu. Uh, as a university, and that would be the that would be the best place to go. Would be to Bethel.edu, and if they want to uh, get some information about me or connect with the work that I do here, just type in the search bar "church ministries," and Sounds that'll bring great. them or church relations. Either way, that'll right. bring them to where information about the kind of things that we're doing here at Bethel to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it, and blessings to you. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, Great to talk to you. Blessings on you and your wonderful ministry. Thanks, Pastor Ralph, for being on the show today. Friends, here on Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, we like to just have little snippets of advice and encouragement. And coming up next is John Jennings with some leadership moments just to encourage us about how to be better leaders. This is John Jennings with Leadership Moments by Jeremiah Palmer. In her book, Succeed, How We Can Reach Our Goals, 
Heidi Grant Halverson talks about the difference between performance goals and mastery goals. Performance goals are all about being good at a specific task. Mastery goals are focused on getting better or improving. Halverson puts it this way, Being good goals are about proving yourself, while getting better goals are about improving yourself. At work, the emerging leaders that I interact with are mostly focused on being good. They want to perform exceptionally well in their roles so as to get ahead in their careers. They obsess about how they'll be evaluated and how their performance compares to others. This is not all too surprising, given many of these leaders took a similar approach to their education where their grade trumped all. The Be Good focus has some advantages in terms of motivation and generating excellent performance. However, Halverson points out that the Be Good approach is challenged when folks face difficulty. It is in these moments that the Be Good crowd might start to question themselves and actually give up. Contrast this with the Get Better approach. When difficult besets this group, they are able to learn and look for ways to improve. This camp actually achieves more in the long term, suffers less from depression and anxiety, and enjoys the journey more. What goals have you established for yourself? Which are about being good versus getting better? What is your default? What might you pursue for your life if you took a get better approach? Today is a challenging time for all of us. As churches, we feel the tide of population changing, and much of the time, it's headed towards murky waters, waters that are bleak and gray. But God is a God of order and of clear lines. He's the living water, and His Word tells us the path to take and promises us in Matthew 7:14. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. We want to find God's way, a road that leads to righteousness and right doing, not wrongdoing. Let's be clear on the facts of what our teachers, mayors, senators, and church leaders are teaching us. Let's compare it to God's Word. Let's support and encourage the pastors in our world, the youth of today, our neighbors, our friends and grandchildren and children, nieces and nephews. Let's not fail them. Let's lead them. Join me in continuing to chase hard after God, even when it's not the popular thing to do. Let's invest in manners, respect, and a listening ear. But let's never be swayed to the gray zone because God lives in the light and it's clear, clean lines where he leads us on his paths. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, today's world is challenging at best. God's word gives us a roadmap of how to live. Lord, be our guide. Be our light in the darkness. Help us to be your light to others. Help us to pray for our churches, to support them financially and in prayer, and help us to be strong examples to the youth of today. Praying for them, guiding them, listening to them, understanding them, and supporting them. Give us the discernment and wisdom to lead as you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I'm so excited to tell you about my brand new 10-week Bible study that's available now at kathyweckworth.com for $12.99. The 10 weeks take you through 
different aspects of following God's call. What happens to you when God prompts your heart, places some sort of circumstances in front of you and says, hey, give this a try? Maybe it's a move for a new job, something completely different from what you've ever done before. Maybe your husband says we're going to move to a new state, or maybe you've decided you're going to volunteer for something you've never been able to do before. How do you respond? Well, in this 10-week book, I take you through different aspects of how you can respond. Are you like Samuel, where he says to God, here I am, what can I do? Or are you more like Moses, when Moses responds to God and says, what, who, me? I don't know how to do this. Or are you even like Jonah, where Jonah says, "Uh uh-uh, not me, and he gets on his horse and rides the other direction? How do you respond when God calls you to do something? And how can you hear from God? One of the chapters talks about the five different ways that God speaks to you and I. It's really an exciting book. I am looking forward to having people read it. Uh, One of the things that I really love about writing Bible studies is that in this area, there are so many different churches right now. At one point, I had about 70 different churches that were going through the book together. And so I'm excited to be able to have it available to you. Now, if your Bible study group wants to go through it, 10 or more books is $9.99. One book is $12.99, very affordable, and I guarantee to you, you're going to encourage, be encouraged and really like the book. So log on to kathyweckworth.com and purchase yours today. Friends, if you've been listening to the show and you love it, well, we love you. So take a few minutes and write up a great review for us on iTunes and post it because this helps us to get the word out. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Yeah.